Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt.co, this is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, Ethereum Classic, 51% attack, traders don't care. SEC, sanctioned cryptocurrency companies received COVID-19 bailout money. And in our main story, let's go behind the Twitter hack. Let's get the full story coming up on the Decrypt Daily. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's Monday, August 3rd, 2020. And wow, let's just say wow to the Bitcoin cryptocurrency prices. And I hope we are on a bull run. I hope that this is the start to $20,000 Bitcoin before the end of the year. And then maybe this time in 2021, we see 50 to $75,000 Bitcoin. That would be amazing. I saw a tweet the other day that said, if you had 50 Bitcoin back in the last bull, you were a millionaire. The same thing's going to happen to Ethereum. I don't know about that, but it's quite possible. Ethereum did hit well over $1,000 in their last bull. And Bitcoin was $1,000 in its last, last all-time high. And then it hit $20,000. You never know. You never know. Anyway, I hope everybody's hodling. I hope everybody's enjoying this positive price action. And let's see what the prices are today on Monday. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. And I'm recording this at Monday, 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Last time I reported this was last Friday around the same time. Bitcoin is at $11,415.60, up 1.2% since last Friday. Ethereum, 3 95 60 up 15.35 percent litecoin 59.52 up 2.7 percent bitcoin cash 301.65 up 0.4 percent and xrp 31.6 cents up 25.6 percent since last friday and like I said last Friday, I'm always, always waiting for bad news in crypto. So I'm going to take all of this with a grain of salt and hope for new highs coming soon. Now to our main story, the full story of the Twitter hack with Decrypt's editor-in-chief, Matthew Hussey. Matt, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? Yeah, really good. Thank you, man. Good to be here. Awesome. Look, man, this Twitter hack has been progressing. We have more news coming out. We're talking 17-year-old kids having $3 million worth of Bitcoin are responsible for Twitter hacks. I don't know anything about this. You're going to have to fill me in. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, it's, it's a great story. So essentially, uh, three kids. Uh, so we've got uh, Nima Fazeli, who goes by the name of Rolex. He's 22 and he's from Orlando. Then we've got uh, another kid called Mason Shepherd, who's 19. He's from the UK. And then we've got this guy, Graham Clark, who's the mastermind. Yeah, they basically managed to convince a few members of staff at Twitter to let them in. Uh, and once they got in, they basically set up a huge Twitter scam where they got people, took over major accounts of like Joe Biden, Kanye West, Elon Musk, uh, and got them to tweet out 
this idea that they were giving away Bitcoin. If they sent Bitcoin to this specific address, they would send back double the amount to the people who sent it uh, and end up getting away with $120,000 worth of uh, free Bitcoin. Um, you, you mentioned earlier, you said that you they got Twitter to let them in. What do you mean by let them in? Sure. So, uh, so last week, Twitter basically came out and said uh, how they got in. So what they were doing, they uh, were targeting like Twitter employees. They call it like a spear phishing attack where basically they like send messages to people they know have the, the keys to, to Twitter's back door. Uh, and said, hey, we uh, we locked out a member of staff. Can you help me log in? And uh, someone fell for it. So they managed to get in that way. And once they got in, you know, the rest was history. And they could fool around with Twitter's back end. It it's called God Mode. Basically, it allows a thousand people. Uh, so this is how many people have access to God Mode at Twitter to um, basically delete accounts, look in accounts, change email addresses on accounts, all that kind of stuff. So basically, they got into there and started causing havoc. Wait, I'm sorry. I, I take notes when I listen to people uh, during conversations so I could ask follow-up questions, but, and this might have glossed over me. Did you say a thousand people have access to God mode? Correct. So uh, that, That's that, insane. That is insane. So uh, last week, uh, Reuters produced an article where they went and looked at how many people had access. So it's a thousand Twitter employees and then also a separate contract company who also have access to this sort of God mode. So it's kind of crazy when you think about like a powerful as tool as this had was in the hands of so many people. I mean, I don't know how many of those were aware of the power that they had. Uh, obviously not because they allowed these kids to get in the back door of Twitter and, and start like wreaking havoc on, on all these really famous accounts. If everybody has the centralized authority and of, of this God mode and it's spread out by a thousand people that can all do the same thing, which is send tweets on, the, on behalf of Joe Biden, Kanye West, Donald Trump, Obama, you know, this is that's crazy amount of power. And that's a crazy amount of, I guess, distribution for such power. It's almost like in this case. They got the whole distributed network thing wrong, and it would have been better in the hands of just a centralized person or entity. Right, that's it. So they, yeah, they went for like let's spread out this responsibility, right, to, to loads of people. But in that, you know, and, and the a, a, re a security researcher was saying this over the weekend. They said like you know like a security like this is only as good as the most naive person in that group. So you know, whoever that person that let them in assumed that the 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 guys that they were talking to were legitimate and like basically let them in. So it sounds like, hey, like lots of people have access, which means that yeah, there's there's distributed exposure, but like it takes one person to let them through. And so from a security perspective, it's it's awful because yeah, like you say, a thousand people, all you gotta do is find one who lets you in, rather than if you had, I don't know, five who are really well trained and versed in like scams and people using like phishing attacks and all this kind of stuff and they would be less susceptible to select people like this in do you know the reasoning of a thousand people having this power this access is just so much to moderate is there just so much to verify and uh you know maybe administer from a back-end point of view that they didn't want to leave it up to say automation or bots or algorithms that they needed to that power to be in the hands of 1000 individuals to use their I guess best judgment to moderate the site, or what? What, what is it? So it's, yeah, it's really interesting. So I think so many people have it because Twitter is obviously a, a global company, so you can't have like five guys in one time zone, for example. So they they spread it out, 
But then what's really interesting is, so this thousand people, it turns out had already been in trouble for spying on like Saudi dissidents for the Saudi government. So basically they'd already been compromised by like elsewhere uh, in the Middle East and were, were basically spying on Saudi people on behalf of like the Saudi police. So I guess the answer is, yeah, lots of people, because there's lots of places where Twitter is active. But again, like, we, like we've said, you know, all it takes is one to let someone else, somebody in or to act poorly on behalf of Twitter. And then the, all the security, you know, all the measures in place fall apart when somebody gets through that door. If there's a thousand people, how do these three these three actors get hold of the God mode? Okay, fine. You let you, they let you into Twitter. That doesn't mean you automatically have access. Where did the access come from? So basically, they convinced someone to let them into the company's Slack, Twitter's Slack feature. And then once they were there, they basically what's called brute force a two-factor authentication security. So basically, like you know, like when you log into somewhere and it says, "Hey, can you uh, give me the passcode?" I've text to your phone for example so what they got over through that fairly easily so yes it was just kind of two-phase thing so once someone let them in they knew that there was security that they had to overcome uh, this two-factor thing and they just sort of i imagine the people that let them in they got hold of their phone in a, in a scam called um sim swapping where basically they can sort of see everything coming onto their phone and it intercepted the code plugged it into the system and then voila they're in and then they can do literally whatever they want to whoever they want and what's interesting is in the beginning uh, of the scam they were selling access to these accounts so for like 200 dollars, they were letting people they were actually selling like hey we'll change the email address attach this account for 200 dollars on um this hackers forum called og users and then after that they were selling like complete access to the account so they could control the accounts for like two thousand to three thousand dollars so imagine like having access to Donald Trump's account yeah, for $3,000 where you can tweet literally whatever you want. And then after that, that's when they turned to this idea of, hey, why don't we get these accounts and use them to uh, to send out this huge Bitcoin scam? But then on top of that, they downloaded like the full private history of like uh, eight accounts, according to the re- reports. So they've got uh, this eight people's like direct message history and every tweet they sent, every reply they sent. And th- that information hasn't been revealed, like whose accounts, but um, they acted pretty quickly and, and, and got a lot out of it that we haven't seen come to light yet. Going back to the hackers, hmm. it is said that they had $3 million in Bitcoin. Did they do this kind of hack before? Is this their normal MO? Are they the masterminds be- behind the uh, send us one Bitcoin, we'll send you two this Twitter scams that have been you know popping up all the time? Where did this other Bitcoin come from? Yeah, so it's, it's a great question. So yeah, so what's really interesting is that Graham Clark, you know, the 17-year-old ringleader, yeah, by far the youngest guy, he's been scamming people since before he was 15. So he originally was on Minecraft and he was like fake selling digital goods inside the game to people and then not sending them the stuff. And then at 16, uh, he was part of a group of hackers who got hold of um, a big tech investor's phone in Seattle. And basically they got hold of his phone, changed all his passwords, got hold of his cryptocurrency accounts and basically made off with uh, $850,000 worth of Bitcoin, which would be worth nearly $2 million today. And then he went on this sort of spending spree on his Instagram account, showing off like diamond encrusted Rolexes and like super limited sneakers 
Um, so he's been doing it for years, um, but he wasn't arrested back then. But then what's even crazier about this guy, this kid, Graham Clark, is in April this year, the Secret Service had basically seized like three quarters of a million dollars of his Bitcoin because they'd found it was connected to one of the, this particular scam. So this kid had been known to the Secret Service for a while and, and nothing had really happened, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. So basically, uh, Graham Clark has been robbing people and doing crypto scams since back in the day. He's a crypto scam OG. And from what I've read, like Mason Shepard and Nima Fazeli had also been involved in like smaller scams uh, in the space too. Well, I think that's super impressive, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, first, I want to know where his parents are, that they're just allowing this kid to buy diamond-encrusted uh, Rolexes and, and just, like, bling them out on, on Instagram and not say anything. I guess he must be parent paying off his parents, too, which I would assume has to be in on the scam because I don't know how you're going to turn a blind eye to that. I mean, do you have kids? I do not have kids, no. I um, mean, okay, look, there's two – from a parent – I'm not a parent, but – uh, my kid comes in with a fifty thousand dollar Rolex. I say, "Where did you get that?" He said, right. "I bought it." I said, "Where'd you get the money?" He said, "I got Bitcoin." I'll be like, "Where'd you get the Bitcoin?" He'd be like, "I stole it, or I I found it, or I got it gifted to me." I'll be like, exactly. "Dude, look, simple. I'm getting one of those Rolexes, or I'm gonna, or I'm taking your Bitcoin." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, that's it. So that's a crazy thing. Uh, so. Yeah, but the New York Times had a big piece on him and said like he, you know, he was living with his mother and then like as a result of getting like super rich, he moved out. But even then, if a 17-year-old kid says to his mom, hey, I'm going to go and get my own condo, I've got my own money, everything's cool, and no questions were asked even at that point, is crazy. <laughs> so my, here's my opinion of this. Mm. The kid's obviously a scammer. The kid obviously... Um, knows how to hack into places and steal money and and get in, and infiltrate organizations. I think they should seize all his Bitcoin and they should return all his Bitcoin to everybody that's stolen. I, then I think Jack Dorsey should give that kid a million dollars, pay all his legal fees and hire him at Twitter because he obviously pointed out a huge vulnerability that nobody else could. And he could have wreaked havoc, global havoc. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and what's interesting, so the bail was posted for this kid's court case of $750,000, $725,000, sorry. What the, the prosecutors were saying is that he shouldn't be allowed to pay that bail in Bitcoin because they alleged that all his Bitcoin came from stealing. So there's, there's this lovely little twist in it where basically the, the prosecutors are trying to say, hey, like, don't let this kid go. He's had, they've seized his passport. Even if he did pay bail, he'd have to wear an electronic bracelet on his ankle. So they're kind of worried that he's going to disappear. I mean, if, yeah, if he's broken into Twitter. Yeah, who knows what else he's, he's been capable of doing. Um, and like you say, he's a super smart kid. He's obviously taken yeah, the, the wrong path in terms of you know, getting into hacking. You know, most of the, the, the best hackers end up turning over to the good side and working for companies like Twitter to help you know, fill in the gaps and, and make them more secure. So who knows? I, I, see, these are the kind of stories that are just stories because I don't know if I should be impressed. I don't know if I should be upset. I don't know if I should be, you know, screaming for justice or screaming that uh, this, this kid just like, you know, is a hero to the digital world because of what he, what he exposed. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how to feel about this, to be honest with you. Well, that's it. It's sort of like, you know, is, is he a modern day Robin Hood or is he just uh, just a thief? You know, like it's I mean, least. definitely not Robin Hood. I, I wouldn't go that far. He's, <laughs> he's, he's not, not he's, he's, buying, 
He's yeah. Bu- yeah, he's buying condos and Rolexes. He's not a Robin Hood, but no, no, no. But I think it's, you're right. I think like if you know, if we look back at the you know, the, the history of hacking you know, in the last you know, five six years, if anything, it highlights how poorly built a lot of these sites are. A lot of these centralized sites, because you know if all it takes is one password to get you in, that's the problem. You know, would Twitter have fixed this problem without someone getting in and, and exploiting it? Who knows? But I think, you know, we're living in an age now where there's increased scamming, like especially during lockdown, more people are being scammed than ever before. Do we need kids like this pointing out the holes? And yeah, like doing terrible things and making a bunch of money out of it. But like, is there a moral message here, which is basically you shouldn't have security that allows kids to basically get in by just targeting a couple of employees? It's a complicated one. And my last point is, if this is Twitter's security, one of the biggest tech companies in the world imagine what these little exchanges or these even so-called big exchanges security is like so if you're holding right. your crypto on and you actually do not control your private keys i would seriously seriously look at this case and go if twitter can't do it why do you think a company that's worth you know a 20th of twitter's value can do it yeah that's it like it's you know scamming is going to be is a part of this community whether we like it or not and you should read these stories and go yeah like how do i personally take more responsibility for my own stuff like you know twitter is one thing but like you said like if you've put money savings you know investments into exchanges and you're hoping that they do the job for you we've seen a lot of exchange hacks and i fear there's a lot more to come so this would be a story that says hey take more responsibility for your crypto, put it somewhere that you have control over, that you can look after. And if you lose it, it's your fault rather than some company that you don't know anyone there and they don't have a face, they don't have a business address and all that kind of stuff we see in our community, right? 100%, Matt. Thank you very much for coming on the show. No problem, Matt. And in other news, something that should have been quite obvious, but I guess it wasn't for a lot of people, and I'm really sorry that it wasn't. A Bitcoin Ponzi scheme took in over $7 million, says prosecutors. An alleged Ponzi scheme was masquerading as a startup crowdfunding platform, according to a lawsuit. The U.S. prosecutors filed a forfeitude lawsuit against Banana.Fund, an alleged crypto Ponzi scheme. The platform was operating during Bitcoin's late 2017 rally as a crowdfunding platform. The United States Secret Service seized 482 Bitcoin and $1.72 million in USDT from Banana.Fund's account. Yes, this is real. And again, if you weren't here in 2017, it was wild. <laughs> Banana Fund. Remember, this is an alleged Ponzi scheme. Banana Fund. Banana Fund. Allegedly a Ponzi scheme. Banana Fund. And over the weekend, Ethereum Classic might have experienced a 51% attack. Now, a 51% attack is where you get 51% of the hashing power or the processing capabilities of the network. So, to make sure everything runs smoothly, you want decentralization. If you have 51%, you have the ability to change the blockchain. You have ability to roll back transactions, veto transactions, (laughs) double spend, anything. If you have the majority of the processing power. And Ethereum Classic might have had a 51% attack. However, investigators think it could have just been a poorly timed glitch. But you know what? The market, it doesn't seem to care. The traders don't even seem to care. 
When I first heard about it on August 1st by Purposeway22, I made the comment, interesting, if this is true, then I call Ethereum Classic dead. Well, not so fast, replied to me, he said, Ethereum Classic was called dead the last time it was 51% wrote back, and the market gave few or little Fs, meaning F-U-C-Ks, because there's not much built on the chain compared to Ethereum that we all know, F. Those attacks are somewhere between stunts and exchange dump gambits that get foiled. So long story short, for decentralization and security, Ethereum Classic might not be the way to go. But for investors and traders, it doesn't seem like they're caring because they're still trading Ethereum Classic anyway. And in another story that is very interesting but very long, I recommend that you go to the show notes, click the link, and read this article for yourself. But in a nutshell, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency companies that were on the radar of the SEC managed to get PPP money from the Economic Stimulus Bill or the CARES Act. There are a couple of companies on that list and, well, they were under the microscope for various reasons. The companies are the crypto company, Terubim Interests, Second Market, Titanium Blockchain Infrastructure Services, Paragon Coin Inc., Paragon Coin Limited, Gladius Network, Tamarin Health, ICO Box, United Data, Bitclave PTE Limited, all received between $1,000 and $150,000, with Cherubim Inc. or CHIT, CHIT, receiving between $150,000 and $350,000 of PPP funding. Interesting story. Read it in our show notes. And that's all for the show today. Thank you very much for listening to this show on Monday. We'll be back tomorrow. Before we're back tomorrow, you can get more of us by going to decrypt.co for the news. Download the Decrypt app from your Google Play Store or your Apple App Store. And don't forget to subscribe to me on Twitter, The Decrypt Daily. I'll see you tomorrow. Happy hodling. And I hope that we have lots to talk about when it comes to crypto prices. 